Welcome back into our third segment of Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak bringing you week one talk heading into the Falcons game in Atlanta Sunday, September 11th. We finally got real Saints football. Uh, definitely looking forward to more of the practices heading into the games this week. We'll see some more information. We'll get some more information on players that we're wondering about. But right now, we're talking about some of the Saints' biggest concerns and also the Saints' biggest strength heading into this week's matchup. And what do you want to start with, the the concern or the strength first, Jeff? Well, I just flashed up the banner for strength, Ah. so that's where we're going to go with. If you're listening to this podcast, there is a video version and there's a banner. So there you go. Yeah, so I think, you know, it is weird because you're talking about a team that had to replace a Hall of Fame quarterback two years ago. That or last year that has that's replacing Sean Payton this year, a Hall of Fame head coach. And I'm still gonna sit here and say the biggest strength for this Saints team is you know what to expect. You you have really good continuity both on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. And you know, that's a that's a strength, right? This is a team that knows what it's you know, you can have like we talked about this. You know, you might have questions about the offensive line, but you have five returning players on the offensive line. Four returning starters and one player in James Hurst who got a lot of time and you are very familiar with. That's a good thing. You have a returning starting quarterback in Jameis Winston, who you should have some confidence in. You have, you're returning your star running back. You are returning, you know, three wide receivers who you feel okay with because they got a lot of time last year. Your depth receivers were your top three receivers last year. And while that was a struggle, getting your bottom three receivers, top three receiver reps is a good thing. This year, at least. It wasn't a good thing last year because that was painful. But this year, it's a good thing because now Marquez Calloway, Deontay Hardy, Traquan Smith are going into the season with a lot more confidence than they probably would be. You know, maybe Traquan excluded because he's hurt and I don't even know. Traquan is Trey. But either way, that's continuity. And then you're bringing back Michael Thomas. You've added Jarvis Landry. You've added Chris Olave. So these are weapons along with the players that you're bringing back and, and Nick Vanette and Adam Troutman, who I think are other guys who should have a little more confidence heading into this season. So to me, that's the strength. That's the strength. And that's only the offensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball is similar. And so like, you know, when you look at a team that's going into week one and you have some questions about what they might be able to do, it's really nice to be able to kind of lean on the fact that, you know, we've seen this show before. And while Sean Payton might be calling plays anymore, might not be calling plays anymore, Pete Carmichael, that's just, you know, he's been around that for a decade. He understands it. He knows what to do. And, uh, you know, I feel good about that. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. You mentioned Pete Carmichael Jr. When we had Lance Moore on Sports Talk uh, the other week, he talked about how Pete Carmichael might actually be a more aggressive play caller than Sean Payton was, which I thought is very interesting, where he's he's more about uh, taking more chances than even Sean did. So I'm anxious, I'm anxious to see what he has he he's got under his belt now for this season, considering he's no longer got Sean to answer to. And then with the defensive side of the ball, yeah, we've had Dennis Allen around, and he's got you know st- still with his coordinators that have been here as well. The 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 guys, the staff. Most of the players, um, there there is that continuity. What I also, you know, the, the strength we talked about with this team, to me, stands out at cornerback. Maybe a little less now, obviously, with 
without a guy like a Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in the mix. But with, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Adebo, and, and then also Bradley Roby in the mix, those three corners right there, that trio might be the best in the NFL for me. Yeah, I, I do have questions now about what you do at Block Corner. I think you're going to try to try out Bradley Roby there. You know, I, I want to talk a lot more about Bradley Roby. I think that's what I'm going to pitch for next podcast because I got, uh, you know, I talked to him a good bit about, you know, being a ball hawk. And, uh, you know, he had a lot of interesting things to say. And, and I think I want to be able to do it justice and talk about it a little more in depth. But, you know, he's a guy who I think is not at his best when you're asking him to line up and be physical with a big bodied receiver or tight end. It's just not the matchup I want to see him in. I want to see him in robber coverage. I want to see him be able to crash down and be that ball hawk. Um, and so I think that what you're going to end up seeing is P.J. Williams in the slot. So because I think Bradley Roby is a guy who I want to play on the outsides when I need him, and I want to have him in dime packages when the the offense is just going for broke. But, yeah, I mean, I think that this team is really confident in Paulson Adebo, and for a good reason. And if you can lock down on both sides, if you can, if you can have a lockdown corner across from Marshawn Lattimore, something, you know, I, I think he showed that in flashes last year, and and now and those flashes were made it very difficult for teams to score. You know, this is a really good defense last year, and they were dealing with injuries every week. The defensive line was in shambles a lot of the time outside of Cam Jordan who is just, you know, uh, you know just carved out of granite. He is impossible to keep out of the game unless the NFL makes rules that force him to be out of the game. Um, and, you know, that's if, – if, if I had to pick a positional strength, it would have to be outside corner. Um, because even if, if one of those guys don't go down, you know, I feel supremely confident in Bradley Rowe being able to come in and hold up. You know, I know he got beat over the top uh, against the Chargers and – you know, it was a it was a rough play by him. But again, it's a situation where you threw the guy in press man coverage. You didn't give him any help over the top. And if you ask me what weakness of Bradley Roby's game, it would be physicality at the line, physicality at the point of attack. And that's where he got beat. Um, so, you know, I think D.A. owned up to that after the game. He was like, yeah, it was a bad call by me. I put him in a bad situation. And, you know, I think that that's where, you know, Bradley Roby is not a perfect cornerback. But if you put him in the right situations, he can be a weapon in the secondary. And I think that's what you want to see from him. And what you were talking about with Adebo, that's going to be a case. If he comes out this season and has a sophomore slump, then all of us, and I'm talking everybody that watched training camp practices was totally wrong because he was pretty much everyone's all-star of training camp that stood out, was having a fantastic camp. Uh, tons of pass breakups, being able to to uh, read the plays and, and jump on the ball. I can't see how that doesn't translate to the regular season. And if so, then training camp is a sham. Yeah, no, and I, and I think that, you know, I don't think he's he's been a mirage. I think that he is that physical outside man corner that you were hoping he could be. And it's just a matter of, you know, when you play that physical – you know, injuries happen, you get tangled up, you get that, you know, I think that's, that's where you have a little bit of concern with a guy who's already nursing an ankle injury. And, you know, you get your feet tangled up, you're going downfield, and you're kind of just, you're laying out. And, you know, that's where injuries happen. So that's, if I had a concern, that would be it. But that's why having a Bradley Roby is kind of that elite depth is good. So 
I feel good about it. Let's shift to, you know, the biggest area of concern. And, you know, <laughs> this is kind of funny because it's also in the secondary for me. But my biggest concern is on the back end in the safety depth because, you know, you've already heard from me about why I hate the C.J. Gardner-Johnson trade. I ranted about it for at least 10 minutes last week. And, you know, it was part largely because I thought that they really just got shafted in terms of the, the return they could have gotten back for a guy. But also, you know, you're really starting to question the depth now, particularly its safety, because you now have Marcus May <laughs> facing some sort of legal implication. I don't know what he's going to be facing in the end, but it's not a situation where you're feeling great. You now are down a nickel corner, so you have to figure out who's going to play there. And I think you want to have PJ up there. But if you need to have PJ play in the back end, if you need to have him fill in for Marcus May, then all of a sudden you're you're trying to figure that out, right? You Maybe you want to have Tyron play slot corner. Well, if you have him play there, then you have to figure out someone to play free because I don't think Marcus is a guy you want to, you want to pigeonhole at free safety. I don't think he's a center fielder the way you want him to be. So, you know, that's where I start to have questions. I think that you play a lot of three safety lineups and throw maybe Justin Evans in the slot or Tyron in the slot, and you kind of rotate and, and keep the defense and keep the offense off guard by doing that. But that's where I have the biggest question. And if, if you need any evidence of why, you know, a struggling safety tandem can, can be tough to watch, go back and watch the first few games of that 2020 season where Malcolm Jenkins and Marcus Williams were trying to get used to each other. They got beat over the top over and over again in the first, you know, four, five, six games of the season. I remember, I remember DJ Moore running untouched 70 yards down the middle of the field. There was one or two others where it's just like, okay, coverage busts. And, you know, when we're talking about a guy who's got a lot on his mind in Marcus May and uh, a guy like Tyron Matthew who's kind of getting to this system new, that's a concern for me. And that's where if this team struggles, especially going against Tom Brady in week two, a guy who, despite being 75 years old, is still chucking it downfield with the best of them, you know, that's, that's an area where you could get exposed a little bit. Although even now Tommy Boy supposedly got problems personal problems, which, oh, yeah, I know everyone feels so bad for the guy. His perfect life is not so looking so perfect. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see with him. I'm still think I'm sure he's still going to be the same Tom, even though he's looking a little different since coming back from that 11-day break. But along with safety for me, I, I'm still concerned with that offensive line. Maybe not right now going into week one, but, you know, Cesar Ruiz – uh, the health of guys like James Hurst, even a Ryan Ramchek who's had knee issues. Can that line hold up and protect Winston? Because, man, oh, man, he's going to need it. And I know there's still questions still surrounding him, but I'd feel a lot more confident with a healthier O-line. And, yeah, right now I guess they're pretty healthy, but I'm still not a 1,000% sure, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean – I think when you're, when you're talking about an offensive line group, continuity is, is so important. And being able to bring back familiar players where you know where people are going to be and you can like time those double teams, that's important. So that's what makes me feel a little better about the offensive line. But yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about Cesar Ruiz kind of looking better this camp than he has in the past. And hopefully that's not a mirage too. Hopefully he can kind of take that kind of next step. I think working with Jari Evans is going to be big for him. So hopefully that's true. Um, and, you know, James Hurst is a guy who I think he's looked good, but I, you know, there's a reason he's a journeyman 
NFL lineman. You know, he's not a guy who you would pencil in as the week one starter at left tackle. So, you know, that's an experiment that could go badly. You know, you might be in a situation where you have to give him a lot of help over on the left side. And that means that you can't help Ryan. You can't double team, you know, other part areas that you might want to double team. And, you know, that might limit what you can do offensively. So I think that's fair. Um, Andrews too, I didn't mention Andrews. He always seems to pop up with something, whether it's elbow, ankle, foot, toe. I, I just, it always seems to be something with him. So yeah, that, that continuity and the depth scares me a little there. And I'm hoping that they hold up a little bit better, but that, that position is so brutal. Yeah. No, I mean, offensive linemen get hurt and I don't think that their depth is particularly good this year. So we'll see. Um, The other position that I think we talked about before that we didn't really get into is linebacker. It's the same situation where I feel comfortable with Demario Davis and Pete Werner. I think you're in good shape. If those are your starting middle and will linebacker, you don't run a lot of, a lot of base, although without CJ, maybe you run more base, right? Maybe that's a situation where, you know, without yeah. a dedicated slot corner, it makes more sense to play big and uh, just see what you can get done um, in coverage. But yeah, I think if you have Pete and Demario there, I, th- I thought in, this, in the few reps we saw from Pete in camp, I thought he was covering well. You know, he's a good cover linebacker. He's got good speed. I question, you know, the size. You know, he's not a very big guy. But, you know, I think you're okay there. You get past him, and I have questions. I have serious questions about, you know, who comes in at will, right? You cut Nephi Sula. You cut Eric Wilson. You know, is it, are you going to bring in Andrew Dowell? As you're, as you're, you know, he's probably going to line up at the mic. So, you know, who, who are you bringing in? You're not bringing in Bond as the will. He can't cover. Dallas Nellis is, the guy that's is definitely more of a mic. To mind. I mean, who? Caden Ellis. Yeah, he, he can't cover either. Right. So, like, I don't know who your backup will is. I think you probably you probably elevate Nephi, and yeah, because I you know I don't think Eric Wilson can, is a particularly good cover linebacker either. So, you know, if you were going to bring in somebody, you would have done it last week. So, I think this is the group you're rolling with, and you know, hopefully they can get it done, and hopefully Pete's healthy because if he if he you know if that groin you know, flares up again. I don't know if, you know, that's, that's a weird way to put it. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think he's dealing with a muscle strain. If that, if that becomes an issue again, um, remember it becomes an issue again. We're keeping a close eye on that groin too. Yeah. Well, you've been watching it close. I I don't know. I don't know if it's flared up. Um, it's inflamed. Oh gosh. Anyway, if it becomes an issue again, I don't know where you turn. I don't know if he goes down mid game and suddenly you have to just find a will linebacker. I don't know who it is. Um, so, yeah, I think linebacker is a close second for me in terms of the concerning positions. But the fact that we're talking about the defense and not the offense, I think that's a positive thing because I think this defense is going to be good and it's just a question of who gets it done. Yeah, and I, th- I think we agree too. Like the tight end position is a question and you're curious to see what's going to happen there, but I'm not overly quote-unquote concerned with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, other other positions of concern. Are there any? You know, we talked about tight end. I think they're solid at tight end. Uh, you know, I would like to see more done in the passing game by the tight end group. But I think we said this before I came on air. If all I have is a tight end group that can block, I still feel okay about it. Sure. Right? Because you have the weapons at wide receiver. You don't need your tight ends to be weapons. You just need them to hold up. You need them to be consistent. I think that's what you have. Yeah, and you talk about the blocking, too, with the tight ends. 
We know Troutman's decent. We haven't seen much from Taysom. Jawan Johnson has hopefully gotten better. I know that Dennis Allen talked about that. You know, he beefed up and still has that same speed, though, but is, you know, improved as a blocker, learned that position more. And obviously with a guy like Nick Vanette is that's his specialty. Yeah. And he's he's here because he can block. And he was also willing to cut his salary by about, you know, a yeah, million helped. and a half dollars to stick around. Uh, that that that'll keep you around, I think. Um Latavius wasn't willing to do it, and we, you know, he ended up on the Ravens. So um we have a question here from Wu. Chris Alave versus Falcons stat prediction. You know, I, I am curious. We haven't really seen a ton from Chris Alave and Jameis Winston. He had that one reception for 19 yards. Um, but, you know, I think that if you're going to see Chris Olave make an impact in his rookie season, it's going to be on the big plays. It's going to be on the chunk plays because you don't – assuming Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry are healthy, you don't necessarily need him on those kind of move-the-chains routes. And so he's going to be able to be a little more aggressive down the field, and that's where I want to see him being taken advantage of because we really didn't see him much in camp. We didn't see Jameis go deep much in camp. So hopefully that's a connection that can thrive during the games. Yeah, if I had to, like, guesstimate, I'd say something along the three, four catches in the 60 to 75-yard range, hopefully a touchdown, I think would be a reasonable expectation for week one. I'm I'm not obviously putting 100 yards on the board right away for the rookie, but would totally be possible against this Falcons defense. Yeah, it's definitely possible. And, yeah, I think that's, like, when you're when you're looking at Chris Olave and if you're trying to figure out a fantasy projection, that's where it gets tough because I think he's going to be a boomer bust guy. I think he's going to, you know, I don't want to call him Deshaun Jackson because I think they're different players, but I think like the type of Deshaun Jackson we've seen the last few years, well, he ha- he'll have these big games and then he'll disappear for a couple games. Assuming that the, the weapons are healthy in Jarvis and, and Mike, I right. think that you could see that happen with him, but you know, it, for him, it's about consistency. And I just like to see him be available and be downfield making plays on the ball and because you know james is going to look for him right and if they have to account for alvin Kamara, they have to account for mike and they have to account for jarvis he's going to get a lot of one-on-one coverages downfield and he's just going to have to go up and make plays and you know i don't think that you're going to have to you know work too hard to convince james to air it out against (laughs) man-to-man coverage downfield i think that's something he's going to be if anything you need to talk him out of that and so you know i think he's going to get his chances and uh, it's just a matter of what he, if he can cash in on them. What I'm more interested to forget Olave's stat line. What is the Saint? What is the Falcons' killer Taysom Hill's stats going to look like against the Falcons' Week One? Because we've talked about that too a little bit of how he's had some of his best outings against Atlanta, and obviously no time would be better than Week One in the ATL putting this team on his back, whether it's, you know, running game, passing game, special teams. If we see that Swiss Army knife taste him back, uh, even throw a pass in there, a completion, it would be very, very interesting because we still really don't know. I mean, we know, but we really haven't seen Taysom utilize that much this pre- this offseason, if you want to call it. For sure. And, you know, if the, if the Saints were really trying to troll the Falcons – they would just show up on game day and be like, actually, Taysom's going to start. Taysom's starting. <laughs> we don't need to start Jameis against you guys. Taysom has gotten it done every time. Then Andy Why would Dalton we bother? Andy Dalton shrugging going, hey, what about me? <laughs> this is a question. Who do you think will win the Aaron Donald versus James Hurst battle when the Rams slip him over there? 
I'll say this. If you ever end up in a situation where Aaron Donald is one-on-one against James Hurst, there will be a tight end standing <laughs> right next to James Hurst. You are not allowing that to happen. If, if you see that, you're calling a timeout. Because, you know, I like James Hurst. I think James Hurst is a quality NFL player. He would get eaten alive in that matchup. But, again, you don't see Aaron Donald rush from the edges that much. So I think that should be easy to avoid. If you go back and you um, and you watch how the Saints handled J.J. Watt in the opener a few years back, I think that would give you a good a- example of how they would handle that. Because J.J. Watt was always a guy who would move all the way around. And the Saints just did a really good job of running away from him, of keeping the action to the side of the field he was not on. And I think that's the same thing you have to do with Aaron Donald. Honestly, I'm more concerned about Aaron Donald when he's rushing on the interior because you can't do anything about him. If he, if he just bull rushes through the line, he's going to break your quarterback's finger as we've seen. Right. So that's what I want to avoid if I'm facing Aaron Donald. Cause you know, the fact is if you have a guy rushing from the edges, you can help. You can shift the tight end over there. You can keep the back in and you can ship him. If he's coming from the middle, you know, you just have to hope that, uh, you know, Caesar Andres and Eric can, can handle it. And, you know, most NFL players cannot. So that's kind of my read, but yeah, if, if you're asking me who would win one-on-one Aaron Donald versus James Hurst, you know, I, I love me some James Hurst, but I'm picking Aaron all day. That that's November though. That's that's ways down the line to worry about. Yeah. So much. Hopefully James Hurst is still alive in November. Okay. <laughs> I got, I got another pick coming up here. Okay. Let's see. Who am I going to take yeah, here? I don't I want Khalil Herbert. I don't want Tyler Higby. I don't want Evan Engram. Oh, this is bleak. Is Higby still on the Rams? Come on, man. You got to complete I, mean, I have every other Rams player. Why wouldn't I take Tyler Higby? <laughs> oh, man. Gonchal Hilliard, man. This is this is bleak, guys. I guess I could might have to go defense. defense. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a defense. Take the Saints, huh? I mean, why we, not? We talked about the Saints enough, player, right? so I'm going to take the Saints defense. They're a now defensive team. So now you can tell the, uh, all the guys in the locker room, it's like, hey, I'm counting on you this week. For yeah. real. Uh, did Jameis Winston show any short throw accuracy in camp? That's from Tell Me About It, 504. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not as concerned about the accuracy. I'm more concerned about the willingness to accept those throws, right? Uh, right um, and because, you know, he's a, he's a professional quarterback. He can throw accurately within 10 yards you know it's it's not something he can't do it's something he needs to get he's he needs to focus on and be better at but a majority of the time the question for Jameis isn't whether he can make the throw that he needs to make it's whether he's going to not try to be a hero all the time and when he's gotten into trouble in his career I think that's where you saw him make the wrong decisions where you know you have a free six seven yards underneath you can make a second and 10, a third and three and live to fight another down and just move, keep the chains moving. And too often you see a guy just, just say, you know, I'm going for it and just throw it up. And that's, you know, when you end up with a 30 interception season, you end up, you, that that's something that happens more than it should. So, you know, I think I've seen him be a little bit more receptive of that, you know, in the one drive we saw him against the chargers, I would say that he didn't do that where he probably should have it worked out and he completed a long pass to Jarvis Lander on second and 14, but in a a real game where, you know, if you're behind, if you're ahead or you're just trying to move the chains, 
you know, there was two wide open throws underneath that would have picked up, you know, seven, eight yards that would have made it a third and manageable. And you instead made a difficult throw to Jarvis Landry. It worked. So you don't complain about it, but that's where, you know, I would probably want to see him be, you know, okay. I have Alvin Kamara open in the flat. All I have to do is get him the ball and he can make a play. That's what I need to see him do more. All that said, I think he has done that more in camp. He just didn't do it in that one game. We only saw one series, so I'm not going to overreact to it. And so that's what I need to see more because, you know, you go back to that Giants game last year. Alvin Kamara didn't catch a pass. That can't happen, right? That can't happen. He is too good of a weapon as a receiver. He is, you know, he, you can make it, flip a coin between he and Christian McCaffrey for the best receiving back in the NFL and not using him means you are not using your offense's best weapon. You can't do it. So that's what I need to see him be better at. And yeah, sure. If he throws it, he, he needs to be accurate when he does it. Um, but I don't, I don't think that that is the issue for him. So, so much as just being willing to do it. I love Eugene Sutherland's comparison here saying Tampa Jameis was Leroy Jenkins. Jenkins. Those days are gone. <laughs> yes, I'm hoping those days are gone. He definitely looked a lot more reserved last season and didn't wasn't, you know, no risk it, no biscuit kind of thing for him. That was definitely uh, with those Tampa Bay uh, yuckaneers and Bruce Arians. But I, I thought the under the tutelage, you could say, of Drew Brees and Sean Payton, we're now seeing a, defi- a definitely more reserved Jameis Winston. And it'll be interesting to see if that carries over come the regular season now in this year with both those guys out the picture, or does he revert back to some of those older tendencies? Hey, and, and, you know, I want to see him be a little bit more aggressive than he was last year, because last year, a lot of these decisions were based on the fact that I don't trust the guys I'm throwing the ball right, to. Right. He couldn't be exactly, you know, and I, and I think that there's a, there's a middle ground that you have to be able to hit with Jameis. That is, you know, taking advantage of this guy who throws as pretty a deep ball as you'll see in the NFL. And, also needs to be able to take advantage of his weapons who make their money within 20 yards of the line of scrimmage. Right. So that's, that's the, what you need to marry in this offense that I think is probably a question is can Jameis kind of, kind of balance that aggression with, you know, allowing your, your playmakers to make plays. Right. And we saw this in the LSU game last night in the opposite direction. Jaden Daniels is great at running, he also has some of the best receivers in college football and they look bored out there because every time they ran a route downfield, they turned around and he was running. And I think with Jameis, it's like if Michael Thomas is creating five yards of separation and is open for an easy first down and you're chucking it downfield into double coverage, he's not going to like that. Right. And you, you as the quarterback have to be able to make that determination in real time. And that's what, as Jameis is trying to improve as a quarterback, that's what he has been trying to improve on. So yeah, he, he, he that's where I need to see him improve and I think he's going to and uh yeah, we've we've been going on this for a while. That's where we'll cut it off. Thanks for everyone who listened, thanks for everyone who caught the live stream, everyone who listened to the podcast. If you're, you like what you hear, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Hit the subscribe button. Even if you don't plan on listening, just hit the subscribe button and give us five stars. I don't mind. I don't care. Just do it cuz it's nice and we like it. You know, we have to kind of build this up so we can rank in the in the podcast algorithm so that's always a challenge and every every review every rating helps us do that so yeah and right now the philadelphia eagles podcast is number one so we got to catch up to them for sure yeah but that thing's been going on for years 
They're cheating. We're, we're coming with a, a one year flying up the charts with a bullet. Yes. Yes. But we're gonna we're gonna get them this year. We're gonna get them. They 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 and CJ don't know what's coming. Can't wait. All right, y'all. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Inside Black and Gold. It's always fun chatting with y'all. Can't wait for week one. We're going to hit y'all with another episode later in the week. Falcons hate week in full swing for sure. Boom. Peace, y'all.